Thank you once again for joining us for another night of Dungeons and Dragons. I am your host and Dungeon Master Kenny. I with with me the majority of my party, starting with our warlock. Hey, it's Cody playing Necro, the uh, Kenku warlock. Our barbarian. Hey guys, it's Ku playing Pahokwi, Yak Folk Barb. Our druid. Hi, this is Clay playing Karak, the Erico druid. Our fighter. Hey, this is Nick playing Nalos, the Triton fighter. Our rogue will not be joining us tonight, and our bard should be here soon, but is not here now. So, as we last left off, the party was going to go to sleep in a nearby tavern in the port of Linvas, or sorry, Tuvas, when the nearby library that they had recently visited was seen ajar, or the door to it was ajar, and the sound of a scuffle inside. And you all said you went to go investigate that. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. All right. We Take were real about it. Uh, I rush into that place, yelling Mel's name. The first thing that you hear while you're conjuring the words yourself is not just the scuffle of people ahead of you, but the sound of fire. Ugh. And as the party barrels into the library, you can see two assailants drenched in thick, heavy black clothes of average sight and size and height for a human. Or basically, what I'm saying is, obviously, it's not a not a dwarf or a gnome. Mm. Uh, and they are both wearing, like I said, heavy uh, black wool clothes and. One of them is seemingly frozen in place with two um, daggers in hand, seemingly gritting their teeth, but uh, trying to move, but can't. And you can see Mel is gesturing towards that person with some magic uh, flying off of his fingers. But the other one has a knife to his throat and is beginning to dig it in. As they turn to see you all, roll initiative. Also, there are several small fires throughout the library. Uh, Necro is starting off hot with a roll of a one. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what? You 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 have bonuses to initiative, right? Uh, let me double check. It's whatever your dexterity is. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think I'm the only one without a bonus to my initiative. My, I have a bonus of three, so I, my initiative is fifteen. Uh, never mind. Mine's four. All right. Nalos. Nineteen. And Bohokwi. Twenty-one. All right, Bohokwi, take it away. So maybe 15 ahead of you is this little scene. Oh hell yeah. I'm so glad I had this ready. Um, I cast Command okay. on the one who has the dagger at Mel's throat. And so Command is a uh, compulsion thing, right? So they have, to, they have to take a save. Yeah, I speak a one-word command to a creature, and my one-word command is uh, stop. 
uh, which I can see within 60 feet, they have to succeed on a wisdom saving throw and follow the command on the next turn. And what is that save, DC? Um... Hey, it must not have had it in the description when I copied it over from the uh, online Xanathar's guide. It should be 8 plus your proficiency plus your charisma. Eight plus my proficiency plus charisma. Yes. yes. Uh, my charisma is plus one. Um, what would my proficiency in this be? Um, well, just you are proficient, proficient at casting the spell. Yeah, so, so your proficiency okay. bonus, which is probably three. Right. Yeah. So yeah, twelve. That is. So 12. Alright, well, it fails. Hmm. Stop! Okay. What do you do with the rest of your turn? Um, I'm going to... Uh, I guess that that's like, I can just take a move action now, right? Like, yeah, you can whole... move and you can also bonus, but that's your action. How far away am I from the one next to Mel? Um, I assumed at least 60 feet because we're in a house for command, so... Right, no no, no more than 60 feet. Uh, the one that's, like, basically grappling Mel or the one that Mel is gesturing at? Uh, the one that's grappling Mel. Because that's the one you just commanded, right? Yeah. That's about 15 feet away. Oh, it's not um okay uh i'm gonna go for the one that is uh going for mel all right um and i'm going to move and make a uh bonus action to attack it can you bonus action attack i think i can. do i have i'm pretty sure i have that you probably have oh it's extra action. attack I, it's extra attack yeah, yeah. uh I'm going to move close to the one next to Mel, then. Alright. Next up is Nalos. Alright. Um, okay, so he told the one that was holding Mel to stop. Yes. And the other one seems to be unable to move? Well, you haven't seen them move, no. Okay. Uh, and which one did Pahok we just say he went next to? The one that's that he also stopped. Okay. Um. Well. I guess uh, Pokey probably has that one under control. So I'm gonna try and uh, grapple the other one, sort of okay. wrestle him to the ground. It's. It's almost as if you're grappling a statue. Huh. The person seems completely rigid, unable to protect themselves from your onslaught in any fashion. Okay. So you're e you're easily able to bring them to the ground. Okay. Um, Do you want to, like, hold a weapon to them or anything, or...? Uh, yeah. I'll go ahead and um, summon my, my packed longsword uh, and just kind of point it down at him. 
Okay. At the ready, looking threatening. All right. So what are you what are you readying against? Uh. I guess if he tries to like crawl away or stand up, I, I'd want to hit him. Okay. All right. Uh, Karak, you're up next. All right. Uh, we only see the the two guys, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Even your amazing passive perception only detects these two assailants. Okay. Uh, then I will uh, go ahead and cast a cold person on the one who's threatening Mel. Okay. Uh, he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. So I'll say DC is 15. Yeah, he failed that pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> he is paralyzed. Yep, he sure is. Almost as if he is unable to defend himself and like a statue, just like the other guy. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> wonder, wonder what could be happening to the other guy. Yeah, that's weird. Is that your turn? Uh, I don't need to move anywhere, so yeah. Alright. Um, so the one guy is par- is paralyzed and is being compulsed to stop. Uh, he fails to break the paralysis. And so he just stands there, completely motionless, with his, the edge of his sword still to Mel's throat because he can't move it away. <laughs> uh... Necro, you're up. Okay. Uh, I'm a blast that paralyzed fool. The one on the ground or the one that's standing up? Uh, the one with the knife to Mel's throat. All right. Let loose. Uh, I'm going to hit him with an uh, Eldritch Blast. All right. Roll with advantage because he's stunned and can't, like, dodge you at all. Or paralyzed. Uh, 16. Yeah, that hits. Go ahead and roll damage. Uh, it's going to be a five. Okay, do you get two bolts? Uh, shit, do I get two bolts? Yes, I do. Alright, roll for that second hit. Ooh! Second hit is eleven. So, total 16. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that'll also hit him. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and roll damage as well. And by the way, Pahokwi, he's no longer being compulsed to stop because he's taken damage. Okay. Oh, did you say roll for damage? Yeah, yeah, you hit him with both of those, so roll the, oh, second, okay. roll the second damage. Uh, 12. Okay. Do you want to, um, command your birds to attack or anything? Or can they? Uh, oh, oh yeah. You know they go on that. Um, I'll send, um, 
my crow boy, my regular crow, at the one on the ground. Okay. And attack his ass. All right. That guy, your crow automatically hits, so just roll damage. Uh, that's going to hit for a nice one. All right. Hey, the bard's here. Huzzah! You can go ahead and join us by rolling initiative. This is where the fun begins. Yes. Oh, uh, I'm actually still in the car, but I figured I'd listen in so I could have context. Okay, well... All you need to know is there is... Does somebody want to roll initiative for me? Yeah, can someone sure. roll a, a d20 for the bard? 12. All right, not bad. So, uh, what what's happened is the party at the end of the last session were running towards the library because... Oh, shit. You have no idea what's going on, do you? Uh, Coop filled me in on some of it. Okay. So you know about the the, the, the librarian? Uh, we met the librarian actually last time I was in. Okay. He uh, exploded the hammer thing for us. Yeah. So you guys ran into the library in the evening mm -hmm. because there was the sound of a scuffle. As you guys went into the library to see Mel being attacked... Uh, there are no. small fires going on in the library. And there's one assailant who now has, like, two Eldritch Blast-shaped holes in him from your warlock who just blasted him. Noise. So there's one guy who has his blade to Mel's throat, but is been held personed by your druid blasted by your warlock and has and his uh your barbarian standing right next to him there was another guy a few feet away that was almost frozen like a statue when you guys arrived and you could see that mel had obviously cast some sort mm -hmm. of spell on him but uh nalos ran over and like tackled him to the ground and has his long sword pointed to execute him if he tries to move. Ain't nobody fuck with our boy Mel. Nice. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. So, would you like to engage with this at all, or do you just want to be uh, a voice while you're driving? Uh, I will just be a voice, except uh, I'm gonna Bardic Inspire uh... My boy Pahokwi and my boy Nalos, since they're both up close and personal. Okay. With these guys. Oh, I think I can only do one. Then uh, probably Pahokwi, who's facing off with um, the guy, right? Yeah, plus I'm not okay. an initiative as far as he's <laughs> concerned. Oh. All right. Sweet. He looks like he's ready to move, so I'm going to Bardic Inspire him. That's a D8. There you go. I feel so inspired! You can do it! Get him. So, uh, Nalos, you feel yeah. the guy's body that you're pinning finally go limp. Uh, instead of rigid, like you've come in contact with it up to this point. 
Uh-huh. And they seem to expire underneath of you. Oh. Okay. Alright, going back to the top of the initiative, we have Pahokwi. Um... Okay, so I'm gonna summon my magic glaive. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm gonna, like, summon it like I'm gonna f uppercut him, but, like, the glaive's coming into existence as I do it so that I can uppercut him with that. Okay. <laughs> Alright, go ahead and roll to hit. Uh, that is a natural 20. Yeah, alright. So, you slice the front half of his face off. Brutal! Uh, and the guy falls limp to the ground. I'm gonna go ahead and mark that down. That's two kills now. It, well, it's hard to tell how much of that was, because, like I mentioned, he had two, like, fist-sized holes in him already from those Eldritch Blasts. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you asked me to mark down every time I kill somebody with that particular weapon. Oh, that's right, that's right. I forgot that. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. It's fine. I forget whatever you want. Uh, I pick up his face. Okay. Huh. Oh, there's like parts I don't recognize this one. And I, I pointed at uh, Mel. Do you recognize this guy? Um... He sort of gives you a terrified look and, like, points at the, the face. It's falling out of your hand, your fingers, almost as if it was made out of wet clay. Ah, gross. In fact, both of the bodies melt away as if they were made out of wet clay. <sighs> Damn putties. Rita Repulsa at it again. Yep. I'm glad oh. you said it, because I almost went full in character with that comment. Uh, Mel falls and sputs blood into his hand that he covers his mouth with. Uh, you see him fum fumble amongst his belongings and quaff a small vial. And you can see the wound on his neck and several other wounds on his forearms uh, mend themselves. And he takes his seat uh, before popping back up. There's fires! There's still fires! And it is Nalos' turn. Yep. Um, can I see any of the fires from where I am right now? Yeah, there's about four small fires around the room. Okay. Uh, I'll run up to one. And I guess use uh, use my water skin and shape water to try and like smother the fire, put it out. Okay. As best I can that way. When you smother the fire, it shrieks, and a small red imp jumps out of the flames uh, that you recently quenched with water, and it seems to like be trying to wipe the water off of itself as it begins to like reignite. Oh. Uh, uh, guys, I don't, I don't think fire does this. 
Nora, you're up. Jared's what? Not here. Sorry, Vala. Damn it. <laughs> um. Fires. I don't think I have any magic for that. So I'm gonna just do the old fashioned thing and get like a, a take off my my coat and start smacking the fires. Okay. You do that to one of the other fires and find something similar to what Nalos was trying to communicate but failed to do so. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I might not have caught it. It's what fine. It? He didn't really specify anything, so like he just said, Hey, there's something weird with this fire. And so you run over and like pat the fire out and you see something scurrying under your cloak as you extinguish the flame. And what pops out is a small red imp, maybe the size of your hand. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to shout because I'm very surprised. <laughs> uh, how small? Like I said, the size, like if you, if you put. The size of my hand? Yeah, like if you put your hand and stuck your fingers as, like, as, like as if you were raising your hand. From the base of your palm to the top of your fingers. I mean, like, bare, like you know, maybe a half foot or so. I want to kick it. Okay. <laughs> That's what I would do. It'd be like if there was, like, a rat under the chair or something. Right. I, yeah. All right, you kick it, uh, and it splats onto one of the walls in a, in a thick, orangey goo. Gross. Um... Can I do a knowledge check to see if I know what those imps are? Sure. Um, some, can, can somebody roll a knowledge check for me? Do you know what your bonus is? <laughs> Zero. Okay. <laughs> I'm a very dumb but pretty bard. So unfortunately, I only rolled a four for you. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, you don't have any idea what these things are. Uh, do I know if imps are generally um, evil-aligned? Well, or... They're not exactly imps. I'm just saying, like, if I say that they're imp-like, that's what they look like. like Okay. All right. Yeah, they're, they're small. They're, they, they almost look like small, naked babies. Oh, and I just killed one. Yeah. But they have, like, long little tails. And you know, maybe a couple of little like splotches of horns or something on them. Like they, they look like an okay. imp if you yeah. think of an imp, but they're real small. Mm. All right. Um, <laughs> is that is that my turn? Uh, yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, well, if it's not my turn, well, no, because I have hold person, not hold creature. Well, it's hold monster, but hold person is for humanoids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking through the spells that I have, but I don't have anything that would stop them. So. Well, between you dousing the fire and kicking the little thing, that would be your action for sure. Yeah. Okay. All oh, right. Kick is an attack. All right. <laughs> well, that's my turn. Okay. I'm going to uh, yell. The fires have imps in them. Karak, you're up. Fires have imps in them. What? I'm gonna. These are, you said these are smallish fires? Yeah, like, I mean, they're like a small patch of fire, almost like the size of a campfire. 
Okay. They're not like uh, large, roaring, and engulfing the room. Okay. Well, I'm just going to be like, what are you guys doing? I'm just going to cast Druidcraft to snuff out a small campfire. Size okay. fire. So yeah, you snuff out, you know, one or t- the other two fires. Uh, and... Uh, and, and within both of them, you see, like, small little impish creatures, like, huddling, like, close to themselves, like, shielding their heads from the magic. And then when it doesn't hurt them, they, like, look around and, like, go, bah! and, like, scurry away and try to run past the party to leave the building. Oh, my God. Do uh, they incur any attacks of opportunity while they scurry past us? I mean, if any of you guys want to take any reactions to attack these three small little imps, you absolutely may. I, I want to, like, jump on one and try to, like, hold it. Okay. Go ahead and um, give me, like, a like a deck saving throw. Okay. <laughs> Fifteen. So you think you captured it? Just you tried a, a technique that you've used to catch frogs before, mm-hmm. and you you think you got it. But if you open your hands, it it could probably get away. Okay. Uh, Necro, one of your one of your crows is really wants to attack. Uh, I want to jump on one of the imps too. All right, go I ahead. Needs to know about it. Go ahead and roll a dexterity save. Big fat six. Okay. Um, Roll a second one. That's a 20. Okay. So you try and do what you see Karak do. And you like try and pounce on one like a cat. But uh, you just miss entirely. Like, you clap your hands, and you're sure you got it, and then you see it running away from you. But your birds are hungry, and your two ravens fly off of your arm, off of your shoulders, and deftly, like the birds of prey they are, snatch one of the little creatures up in their talons. That's my boys! Got one, everybody. I think I have Good one. Good job. Where well, we got to. All right. Was that all the all the fires? There was there's that's all the fires, but there's still one imp running past the party. Uh I'm gonna go for that. Okay. <laughs> what do you try and do? Enrage. <laughs> I rage and stomp it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, make an attack roll. <laughs> Sixteen. Yeah, you you snuff out that little imp and reduce it to a small pile of gross orange mustard. Oh, I just got these polished! <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Um, Karak, you feel your hands start to get really hot. Like, you take one point of fire damage hot. Ow! Ow! Smash him! It's hot! 
Does anyone have anything I can put this in? I thought you uh, had like a million vials. <laughs> I don't keep them on me. <laughs> I don't keep things like can that. I, can, I blood see, go. can I see Kurek's jar? Uh, yeah. Do you have it like on your hip? I assume yeah, he never yeah. goes anywhere without his alchemy jug. <laughs> yeah. Can I? I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull it out and dump whatever, however many gallons of beer on his hand. No. <laughs> oh my beer. I think it's like four gallons of beer. Like. Okay. Oh well, I'll start with one gallon. <laughs> I mean, that's probably all that's left. It is nighttime now. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's probably pretty empty. Uh, yeah. You you upend what is easily four bottles of beer worth. It, or so onto his hands it cools the outside of your hands but you're you can still distinctly smell not just beer but burning feathers as the inside of your hands are probably starting to take severe damage you take three points of fire damage ah. this is really hot <laughs> oh. 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 I'm gonna try to Force this little imp in the like nozzle of the alchemy jug. <laughs> what if it breaks your alchemy jug? <laughs> Maybe I can get a new one. I'm not thinking about that. It's hot. <laughs> All right, you plug one of the you plug the beer hole with this little imp who gets stuck, and he's like, it's like stuck on his muffin top, like he can't get out. <laughs> It would be almost cute if it wasn't a little asshole that had just burned the insides of your hands to a crisp. Uh, and uh, so Necro, what do you want to do? I mean, your 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 birds are holding the other one. How how is it reacting to my two birds? It's terrified. It looks like it's about to get eaten because it might be. And you can hear it babbling at you in a language. What languages do you know? Uh, common in the language of the wind. Okay, yeah, no, you don't. You don't understand what the little guy is saying to you. You speak the language of the wind? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, okay, so I'm just going to mimic what, back whatever the imp is saying to me and just like, just look at him and just mimic back and just go like, I have no idea what you're saying. I heard that reference, Lauren. Sorry, Lauren. I got I got too it's, excited. It's cool. No, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. So after I so after I like like uh, mimic this imp and just throw it back in his face, I turn to everybody. He's like, "So, what should we do with this thing?" Or can anyone understand what this thing is saying? Mel. I don't know. What is it? Does anybody want to wonder what it is? Mel steps up uh, and is already fiddling through two tomes on a table and asks for you to have your birds bring it to him. Okay, uh, Darkness and Ghost Crow, take it over to Mel. Uh, he grabs the little imp by the nape of his neck and, like, you can see him, uh, like, look at him and look down and flip through some pages and go, ah, yes, this is a magmim, a small lesser being of the plane of fire. These little guys are known to start fires wherever they go, and it brings them great glee. Let's see here. Ah, yes, and so he sort of starts to say words that don't really sound like anything to any of you. 
but the magman sort of like claps his hands together and like prays and nods. Uh, and then like Mel extends a single finger for the magnet to stand on. And then it goes and sits in Mel's palm and they seem to have like a awkward exchange for a couple of seconds. And Mel nods and then looks up to the one of the candelabras that light up the library and he throws the little magman up there who then dances along the two dozen or so candles that make up this candelabra, or sorry, chandelier at that point, uh, and lights them all aflame and just sort of chills out up there, and that, like, making it his home. Whoa. I've never seen a fire that was, like, smart enough to do stuff on its own. Well, not many fires are alive. And this one isn't exactly alive either. These little beings spread it wherever they go. It's just a part of their nature. It would be as if someone such as yourself, as a triton, would leave water wherever they walked. Huh. Okay. That makes sense. But, he sort of sits back down and like, checks the wounds that he had suffered. I thank you all for coming and saving my life. I can't imagine what sort of bravery it took for anyone to try and raise this library. All four houses will be angered by this. Hmm. Do you know anybody that would want to, to try and hurt you? Well, as I said... This would not be the first time I've had an attempt on my life, but to go after the library, to bring Magman in here, to set fire to these halls and ledgers, that is what's most troubling. Is there something in your ledgers that might be worth destroying or killing for? Oh, I'm sure that there is. I... Don't mean to sound proud, but I don't think that there is a single building within this entire city that is more valuable than this one. Hmm. Fitting, though, that no one person own it. Strange that this would happen after we just destroyed those amulets, though. Oh, I think, think it's it... hardly strange. You see there, and he points to uh, that. It's it almost at this point looks like a smear of mud and and clay that's like built up on the ground, where that one was that you, Nalos, pinned to the ground. Wipe away that filth, and you will see something that I had placed. I fancy myself quite the abjurist, and so and so you sort of doing this while he commands yeah. you, I assume. Yeah. You see that there is almost burned into the boards in that area is this very intricate magical symbol. And so he says, I have placed several of these protective wards, essentially traps to those who would do me harm all around the library. I fear that this will not be the last time I find them useful. Hmm. 
Well, I'm glad that you took some precautions. Well, as a wizard of my age, precautions is all I have in a fight. <sighs> Guys, maybe we shouldn't just head off to bed. Maybe we should just go visit the other two houses. I mean, perhaps. We're low on spells, though. Right? Yeah, but we're just going to go talk to them. We, well, we didn't oh, do too right. much. Oh, right, that's what we do. We always just go talk to people. Yeah. Definitely never blow things up. Yeah. Uh... I mean, what? It's some elf family and some uh, Thrykeens. Mm -hmm. Like, elves don't really sleep. They just That's true. sit there. I'm sure possibly. there's somebody still awake. Could possibly be the elf family at hand for this, though. Yeah, Wait, but we won't you... know until we ask him. You're How not we... wrong. <laughs> How would we know if they're telling the truth? Mel sort um. of pipes up. That I may be able to be of service. Ooh. As I oh. mentioned, I am an abjurist. One of the many spells that falls within the privilege of abjuration is a spell called Zone of Truth. Once this oh. spell is performed, anyone who steps within it will be compelled to tell the truth. Hmm. Uh, will they be aware that they're being compelled? Oh, they certainly will. But if they have nothing to hide, then they will certainly agree. Hmm. I mean, that seems like a powerful tool. And it is not one that I perform simply, either. It will take a little bit of time for me to prepare the scroll to give to you all. Oh, uh, well then, uh, please do. I think we'll find that quite handy. Well, yes. I will set to that immediately. I will offer something that does not happen often, but you all have at least once saved my life today. So I will do something out of the ordinary. Please follow me sort of rises up and goes to the other side of the library and uh, asks that you close the door to the library and engage any of the locks that you can understand. Uh, I will do that. Yeah. Oh. Alright, so you guys close the door and engage like three or so of the locks. Some of them seem like almost weird puzzles. But uh, you join him over to the, the hearth fireplace of the library. And uh, you see him sort of do what you saw uh, Karak do before, where he sort of like snapped his fingers and the flame extinguished itself. Uh -huh. uh, and he points to the other magman who has sort of accepted his fate in being stuck in this alchemy jug. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he ain't going nowhere. 
Melgas, what is it you plan to do with the magmen you have there? Hmm. Nothing at the moment. I'm so sure when next time we're drinking together that it's it will have some we will do something with it. I don't know, but somewhat fell and may have a good use for a imp that creates fire wherever it goes. As would I, but if you have a use for it, I would suggest that you do so. We could keep it and use it on the road to start fires. Or, or think what the Alchemy Brothers can probably make with like a, a, a magnum. Oh, ma right. magnum, magnum mustard. Uh, <laughs> uh, does does anyone have a cage or anything we could keep this in? Got a bag of sand. Becomes a bag of glass. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh. I guess we could put them in my pot. Uh oh. Yeah. But how? Uh, I don't. I don't know how that would work. I don't really want to steal his soul. He's not what? useful enough. Can you give it back? To I think later? Out of character, Lee, real quick. It only has one charge, and then I have to make a new one, don't I? Or, like, three charges? Um, it, I don't know that we ever, like, answered the charge question, but I've always interpreted the whole soul jar system as 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 a two-way street. So like if you did bind someone to your jar, you could release them. Okay. You can just only do one person at a time. Yeah. Well, since since this is the uh, oh. first time you've used it first, you want to start small and have a little bind yeah. this little, little in creature. I guess it's worth a try. I mean, the worst that happens is I make Nalos bring his writ to Maru, Maru's bed next time so I don't pay overpriced clay fees. Yeah, we could go back there. Think of all the cool stuff they had. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll even have money for more crystal. Yeah, maybe there's more unspeakable horrors in the mines that we can fight. Ooh. Could be. All right, so, um, what do you all do with the magnum? Uh, I guess I take my pot off of my back and I'll open it up. If you, if you guys want to put it in there. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really care. Yeah. All right. But you do you. So I guess he's in there, and I plug my pot. Okay. Well, hold on. Who handles that whole process? No, not me. I'll do it. Okay, Nalos. Do you look in the pot? <laughs> no. No, no. I've I've had that whole experience before. I know better. Okay. <laughs> Damn! Almost got him. I 
just so, yeah. go yeah. over and pull him out of the, the alchemy jug and hold him between my hands. And he probably can't understand me. I'll be like, all right, so I'm just going to put you inside here and you'll, you'll probably be just fine. I think I'm pretty sure. Uh, and I'll just kind of like turn my head and drop him inside the pot. So I make sure I don't look in it. Okay. So the moment that the magman looks into the pot, uh, a small orange wisp flies out of his face and, and spirals into the pot. And his body goes limp in your hands. Huh. Worked you know? like a charm. <laughs> um, well. Uh, let's Can you see. just drop the little limp body in there? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right. It's such a sad image. Well, it's like just... the Tooth Fairy in Hellboy 2. Yeah. All right, you just drop this limp little corpse into a big old pot. Yeah, I told him he'd probably be fine. I like to imagine because he's so small, it's just like... Grunk. All right, so... Um, wh while we do the rest part of this, why don't you go ahead and think about like what of your yak folk racial abilities are being implemented on this poor thing. <laughs> so, uh, Mel, to his chagrin, um, takes that hole in and then just sort of looks as if he's writing down notes to himself about the experience and then presses a series of stones along the side of the hearth uh, and the whole thing begins to turn almost like a very stereotypical bookcase wall and reveals a passage behind it. Cool. He says, if you all go down that passage, you will find very quickly a small chamber with beds. I would request that you all stay here tonight. I will be able to have the scroll finished by midday, maybe even earlier tomorrow. But shame for me to say, I would somewhat desire your protective services for the night. Sure. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, will I am as well. I will return to my study. Should you require anything, please don't make yourself unknown. I will be glad to help you all with anything. Well, thank you. And with that, he departs. <laughs> all right. Do you guys think maybe like one of us should stay by the, the front door throughout the night just to make sure. Yeah, one of us should probably I don't think that's a bad turn. idea. Sure. Or uh, how far is the front door to like the beds, Kenny? Um, let's say it's from bed to front door about 100 feet collectively, but like 20 of that is in the weird passage past the uh, fire. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. 
Anyone want to volunteer? Sure. I take uh, first shift. Okay. I'll take second. I'll take third. Okay. Cool. I'm going to walk down the weird passageway and grab a bed. Yep, the beds are simple. They're not the nicest you've ever slept on, not even the nicest that you've slept on in this forest. But they are beds. They're not sleeping on the floor, and that's pretty good. But each person that takes their shift, it's quiet in the library. It, you hear maybe the occasional skitter of a mouse or something like that, but nothing really of note. Then until morning comes, nothing to report whatsoever. Hmm. No silence in the library? Yeah, just cool. silence, really. Um, all right. So it's morning? Yep. And uh, as you all sort of realize and can see the daylight begin to pour in through some of the uh, stained glass windows. You can hear Mel come downstairs and he has in his hands a small vellum wrapped up and sealed with a wax seal. Uh, who had last shift? Uh, Hokui, I think. Uh, yeah, third was the last one. Yep. He walks up to Pahokwi and, and hands you the scroll. And you can see the weariness in Mel's eyes. He probably didn't sleep a wink. And mm. uh, he says, Here, take this. When you find yourself in a place where you will be uh, asking the questions that you need answered honestly... With the people you know you need to ask. Open the scroll, incant the words, and the rest should follow just fine. I'm terribly exhausted. I will go and sleep most of today. All right. Get some rest, Mel. Thanks for all your help. And thank you. Good news. Very good. Very good. And with that, he sort of makes sure you all <coughs> leave the library before he locks up. Okay. So it's early morning and the town is already humming with life. All right. Well, who do you guys want to see first? Do we see the Florians or the Lifusono? Uh, we should probably see the Lifusono first. We're going to have any sort of conflict with the Falerians. Save it for last. That's fair. And if what the the, the two gnomes said was true, the Lifusono were probably expecting us. 
sure. <clears throat> do we know where to go to the Leaf of Sun? Do nope. we ever get the, uh, get the address or anything? No? Okay. I don't think so. It's fine. Yeah, we'll I don't know. Like... to find the, the, the Hearth Homes. And uh, we'll just look around and see if there's any other Thrykeens. And we'll ask where the Leafusono live. <clears throat> so, uh, do I happen to see any other Thrykeens around? Not immediately, no. Oh, all right. Huh. Well, hmm. Well, I guess if they're probably watching the whole city, then I guess they'll see us eventually. center of town and see if any of them intercept us or meet us there. That's true. Maybe, we can go back to the fountain. Yeah. Maybe there will be someone we can ask there. Maybe that nice dwarf guy again. So you all head towards the center of town? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I assume Chess speaks with you? Uh... Yeah, I'd have probably stopped by the stables and grabbed her again. Wherever everybody else kept their things, I think I left her there. First of all, Chesapeake is always with us in our heart. Well, yeah, obviously. Alright. So you all head to the center of town. Um, and uh, maybe it's just the morning. But there comes across the winds a powerful smell of fresh breakfast from one of the inns that you all pass. Do you stop or do you continue on? Breakfast. Guys, do we breakfast or do we have very important business first? We could I mean, find out over breakfast. Isn't it better to do business on a full stomach? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, so, you know. We can't be late to somewhere that we don't know where it is. That's true. Uh, your wisdom astounds me, Nalos. I say as I am already walking towards the smell. So the establishment is clearly a public house, just a simple place. But uh, it has a bakery next to it, and then on the other side is a grocer. And those two smells mix together in this pub. And as you walk in, you hear the gentle sounds of a very slowly plucked harp. Mm. And sitting... Playing is a high elven bard with her eyes closed as picturesque as possible. 
she strums the harp in a very beautiful cadence, which just sort of ambience the entire room. There's a several tables available, easily one or two to accommodate the size of your party. And uh, without even a word, the host sort of approaches you all and smiles broadly, gives like a cute gesture where he puts his finger up to his lips to, and then points to his ear and then towards the bard and gestures towards the tables. Uh, I mean, I'll take the hint to, to be quiet and sit at the table. We do the same. Same Z. Yeah. Alright. You all are waited on and uh, are brought uh, a round of tea and water and milk and juice and then you're inquired as to uh, payment where the sort of person sticks up two fingers and extends their hand to the party. Uh, I'll pay two gold. Okay. They bow and excuse themselves. And in some short time, maybe one or so songs later, a uh, large, um, almost like baking sheet plate comes out and it's just, from rim to rim, is filled with... Uh, a whole loaf of sweet bread, um, butter, honey butter, all kinds of fruits, and uh, a few thick cuts of ham, and about um, six dozen—or not six dozen, but about t- ten eggs scrambled in a pile. Cool. Uh, the um, the waiter is still, or uh, server still near our table, correct? Yeah. Uh, I want to lean over and kind of like whisper so that I my voice doesn't carry. Uh, do you guys have about three dozen raw eggs uh, that I could buy? The server is gently taken aback and, and smiles and nods and in some quite short time returns with a large basin filled with three dozen eggs. Perfect. And expects a single gold for it. I give it to him. Okay. Start so, cracking eggs. Yep. Just. Oh. <laughs> but breakfast is peaceful. Very, very pleasant. The word serene comes to mind. But. As you all sort of begin to get to the end of your meal and people are really just picking at, you know, the last few scraps of sweet bread, uh, three figures step into the common house and the harp stops. Jazz music stops. The three figures are immediately undeniable, undeniably thrykeen, even though they wear sort of large, uh, long robes. Mm. Uh, you can see their chetinous faces walk in, and as the host approaches them and bows, one of the three steps towards them and drops a audible sack, or an audible pouch of gold into the host's hands, and they immediately excuse themselves. 
all of the staff excuses themselves, including the bard. Huh. There's hardly any noise in the room except for the jingles of their bangles as they approach the party and sort of kneel down. Uh, the two of them kneel down and one steps forward and removes the sort of heavy hood off of their visage, revealing their entire head. Um, they bow their head gently to the party and say... We understand that you are looking for the family of Lifu Sono. Well, we are here, and we would love to talk to you. Guys, the plan worked. They found us. I knew breakfast was a good idea. Well, uh... Good morning. Thanks for finding us. <clears throat> um, well, I guess we'll just go through the whole spiel. Uh, hi, we work for Chet, and we're sent here to get whoever's in charge of this town to sign a contract to say that they'll be loyal to the new capital but there's nobody really in charge of this town, so we're kind of supposed to figure that out too. And we already spoke to the hearth homes and the Kulemos family. Kulemos. Yeah, Kulemos, there we go. Uh, <clears throat> and well, then, then we got kind of busy and we didn't get to find you yesterday, but now you found us, so um, yeah. We're supposed to talk to you and see what you think about this whole idea of signing the contract. Everyone make charisma saves. Cool. <clears throat> oh, thanks, Dice. I'm glad we're consistent about our charisma saves. <laughs> well, you've got so much. Did anyone get above a 17? Yes. Yes! I got a 12. Hold on, I'm about to roll. Big guns coming out. Oh, poop. I got a six. So Never just, mind, it's a 22. Okay. So just Karak and Pahokwi? Yeah. Yep. Alright. I got an 18 just above. Nice. Oh, wait, I got... I got an 8, if that makes any difference. Nope. 17 was the number to beat. That's a rough DC. <laughs> You're right. Um, no one feels any effects, by the way. Just putting that out oh. there. Okay. Um, so the, the Thrykeen sort of raises their four hands up to their upper chest and bows their head and goes, Well, your crab is being tended to if you would all join us to the Lifusono grounds, we would love to not just receive any more information you may have to share, but to perhaps have us share with you what we know. 
That sounds great. Yeah. Um, I stand up and I bow to them and say, that would be lovely. They sort of throw their eyes towards you uh, and perhaps feels almost like pointed at first, but their voice is still soft and goes, you managed to still be a mystery to us, Yak Man. We will learn you, but <laughs> it will be enjoyable for everyone. I'm told I have a complex personality. The two that are kneeling chuckle for a second. Uh, and then all three of them rise up, turn away, uh, and begin to leave. All right. Guess we'll follow. Well, I'll follow at least. I too follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, I'm following. Yeah. I'll follow them, boy. So you're all led outside, and uh, you can see that Chesapeake is being um, fed by another Thrykeen. And then uh, the, the entire group of the five Thrykeens sort of walk down the road, just seemingly expecting you all to continue following them. And I assume that everyone does. Mm -hmm. uh, this walk is completely silent, unless you all engage them. But uh, after a sizable walk, you find yourselves at almost what could be described as a monastery in appearance. Hmm. Than rather than a home. And after the, you know, walk through the main open threshold onto the grounds, you see that there are a multitude of not just Thrykeen in deep meditation, um, whether it's magical incantations or odd poses that are being held still. It's, there's this whole grounds, I hate to use the same word, but this whole place seems to be dedicated towards deepening the mind. And you're all continue to be guided to a side chamber of the main building. And uh, the five Thrykeen that you met up until this point line the outside of the door that you're pointed to and bow gently almost as if a procession for you all. Um, did I see any, uh, like religious iconography there? The walls aren't even painted. Oh, hmm. okay. if, this, if this place is made of clay, it looks like clay. If it's made out of stone, it looks like stone. There is, there is nothing to distinguish this place. Huh. Is there anything particular that I can notice about them, their meditations? Um, they seem really f well disciplined. You don't particularly recognize any of their methods uh, akin to your own or anything like that, no. No wonder um, Jacoby became a vessel. <laughs> Were any of them uh, floating in meditation at all? Levitating? Not directly. Okay. Hmm. Then, uh, 
I'll give uh, our escorts a little, you know, head bow as I move by and continue forward. All right. The door opens as if expecting you all. And inside is uh, a, a simple chamber that has a large circular table in the middle and a series of chairs that are all pulled out from the table and of appropriate widths and heights, almost as if handcrafted for each of your body types. Wow. All sized on one half of, or I guess like on one side of a crescent table. The middle of the room, or I I keep saying that, I'm giving it away. Uh, The opposite side of the room from you all is a single black wall. It seems almost like void. Your eyes cannot pierce it and see past it. It's just as if the room stops there. And the table is like a half circle with the middle of what would be a circle touching that wall. So it would be almost as if you guys are sitting on one side of like a sheet of glass. Huh. That's dividing the table into two. Weird. Cool, but weird. In the least amount possible, it almost reminds me of home. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) Your bird bird cause. (laughs) Like, what, dude? Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I make kissy noises. You get little beat clacks. Okay, so do do we all sit down? Yeah. Yeah, you can sit down. Yeah. I'll sit in the seat I that sit. fits my body perfectly. Yeah, I sit in the one that has been specifically made for my heroic ass. <laughs> like, there is, there's even a slit for your tail to go through. More chairs should be made like this. Do you know how uncomfortable it is out in the world? Nobody else has tails. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> This is just like like he said that expecting everyone to be like, yeah. But just just now it's like, I know, I don't have a tail. <laughs> Alright. Um like I know that bit's been going on since the start of this campaign, but for me it's still funny. Alright, so so good. You guys have all sat and uh the the black dark void fades away. Almost like a series of uh feathers flutter away and it, what is revealed is the other half of that table and sitting across from you all are five thrykeen they're all wearing almost indistinguishably the same robe the only thing that's different is the color uh, although each of them individually looks somewhat different maybe their plates on their faces and bodies look different maybe they have you know different hands but they are clearly all of the same, uh, you know, being. Mm-hmm. And uh, they bow their heads with their forearms oppressed against their upper torso. And they, one of them welcomes you to the house 
Fulusono. Oh, sorry, Lee Fusono. Uh, thank you for uh, the welcome. We have been told to exchange information with you all. And this is something that we consider easily more valuable than gold. So we must ask, do you wish to ask of us first so we may name the price for what we ask in turn? Or will you all pay us with what you know and we will give you in turn what we think it is worth? Uh, the first one? Uh, we will name uh, the information we seek, and you can tell us the cost. They all seem to yes. think on that for a moment and then nod their head in unison. That will do. I, I'm going to look at my companions and, and see if they seem agreeable. You guys chill with that? I didn't mean to like make an executive decision there. Yeah, that works. It, it I give you like an all might ask thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I, I I ask the Thrykeen for a, a brief pause as I confer with my companions on uh, the specific question we would like answered or the information we, we specifically want. Mm. Uh, so what do we need to know, guys? Mm. Well, well uh, we could ask for information on who was behind the attack on the library. Right. That's true. Uh, we could also ask her for information on the necklaces. See if the... I feel like if we ask for information on the necklaces, though, we would be most likely to get more information about them by asking who's behind the attack. I feel like yeah. they're obviously intertwined. Probably. Hmm. Yeah. Or should we ask some? Is there any questions that we could have regarding the the contract? I think the more pressing question would be about the attack on Mel because the contract is mostly a read it and sign or read it and discuss issue. Right, right, right. And if they ask uh, depending on the payment they ask, we could tell them what we know about the amulets. That's they true. They don't already know, such as names. Wait, do we only get one question? No, they didn't say only one question. They just okay. said we had to pay for our information, for the information we wanted. Oh, okay. Uh, I think asking about the attack on a good idea. Yeah. I agree. Nara, or Vala, make it sound pretty. Wow. 
Nobody remembers my name. All right, uh, I'm going, uh, after we've sort of had our little huddle, uh, I'm gonna turn back to the uh, Thriking Council. And- The Thrike Council. Boo. <laughs> and, and say, uh, uh, my esteemed host, uh, we've uh, settled on, on uh, information we seek. Um, uh, we wish to know the attackers and the motives of the, the motive behind the attack and those responsible for the attack on uh, Mel the librarian uh, just yesterday. The five Thrykeen all look towards one another and sort of seem to begin to bob their head in sort of like a gentle nod. And uh, one of them, the mid-left one, stands up, bows again, and answers the question. We can tell you that the motive for the two assailants were to kill Mel for those whom hired them wanted to be sure that who was once to be neutral would stay neutral or dead. Your second question of who was behind the attack? Those who perpetrated the deed directly, for whom you all wish you have slayed, but have not, are talented assassins who do not belong to the Felwyn Forest. They indeed come from the great city of Yao. They are brother and sister, and they are talented killers. Masters of illusion, and very protective of their names. That explains the putty. Well, I, I'm a little confused. Because this does not tell us who was responsible for the attack, um, who hired the that That is what I was seeking to understand. Suppose so, but a separate inquiry indeed. Mm, I respectfully disagree. I asked for who was behind the attack, not who perpetrated the attack. I think that fairly clearly means I'm looking for the financers of the attack. And we will give them. Provided we knew them. Hmm. Mm. Do you know the name 
names of these um, sibling assassins? We do not. Our gaze does pierce outside of Felwyn Fulwist, but to see into the great city Yal is difficult. Hmm. Well, this information you've given us is um, useful. Thank you. Um, is there any you would give us? I'm sorry, you cut out of touch. What was that? Oh, uh, I was asking. I I was saying that uh, this this information is is useful, and I thank them. And uh, if they have any advice to give us on um, how how to seek the assassins. The one who is still standing up looks to the other four, and they sort of, again, fall into this unison of, like, a gentle nod. They turn back and say, The only thing more we can tell you for sure is dodging their deaths was taxing, and therefore they are still within the city limits. Hmm. Should have kept his face. Damn clay. All right. Maybe we can set a trap for him. I mean, if they're assassins, then that means that they still want to kill Mel. That's true. Otherwise, they don't get paid. I like the idea of a trap. Agreed. Uh, we can discuss that more when we're not at the behest of the leaders yes. of this house, though. I, I agree. The middle right Thrykeen sits down again, and the middle one steps up, or stands up, and gestures all four hands towards the party and sort of waves them out to the side. It is our turn, and we will ask the first question in-depthly, although you will find it simple. When you came to Felrin Forest, you did so in the employ of a dead man. What is it that they promised you for your loyalty? Hmm. Uh, I, I forget. <laughs> I suppose it was different things for each of us. For me, the original deal to get to Felwyn Forest was that I would be gifted fame as a great hero. What I heard when told of the uh, task that we were set upon, from my point of view, was my chance to continue telling my tale to the world making it grander. I sought to be 
the greatest bard in history, uh, one known before all others. Um, this is it's true. This is what I still seek, though. Um, I'm primarily here because great adventure wherever this group walks. Enough to fill many, uh, many a song. I, uh, I was I promised great druidic prowess. I may see the uh, see the greatness that I I might be able to achieve. The Thrykeen look to Necro and Nalos. Mm -hmm. um, I was promised to be able to have help finding my sister. And that's been done. And now I'm helping my friends. <clears throat> um... I was promised uh, great knowledge into the, the answers, I mean, into the questions that I seek, uh, specifically, you know, why my race of people, the Kenku, uh, were taking away our, our, our abilities to fly and also hopefully um, attain the ability to fly. At that, the Thrykeen that's still standing, um sits back down and bows their head. Still with my... It's your guys' turn to ask a question. Oh. What was the second question we wanted to ask? Was it about the medallion? Yeah, it was. Go for it. Yes, um, upon entering the forest, we were, well, we really set upon the bandits. Uh, we found a group of bandits attacking a innkeeper right outside the, the city, and they all held this amulet that we were told was the symbol of the Sunderer, and we would like to know... I'm, I'm going to go ahead and wing this one. Uh, just give me shit if I get it wrong, guys. Um, mm -hmm. Has there been a true resurgence in, their, in his followers? The middle left Thrykeen steps stands up. and uh, states the being known as the Sunderer had many alkalites when it fell 
when the hole to chaos was closed by great heroes, there were still those that remained to serve their unseen god. But the necklaces, while still powerful pieces of artifice, hold no more sway from their wicked god anymore. There's power within their metal, but not the same power. The power to preserve, not the power to dominate. So there is no resurgence of followers of Chaos or of the Sunderer. But the medallions remain to await their master's return. supposed to ask a question now or are they about to well it, it's good to know that they do not hold uh the power they once did all the thrykeen nod in agreeance <laughs> i imagine a very fast like agreeing nods like yep yep mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the thrykeen on the middle left sits back down the thrykeen in the middle stands up again extends its arms out in a wave towards the party Now, we wish to know of now from you. You have many places to go, but you came to this port. You heard of how four families rule this town, and yet we have seen it, blood on every one of your hands before that contract is signed. And we see it in you all now. You all know that is true. Why have you come to kill in this town? We have not specifically come to kill anybody. Uh, that's not our... That's not our uh, word. Um, mission. Mission, yes. Uh, we've simply come to offer a contract for the families to look over and decide if they wish to ally themselves with the capital once again. Our job is not to kill anybody to make it happen. Surely as far can, as I was told. Surely you can see the truth of that um, in us. Uh, yes, we have um, shed blood in defense of uh, Mel, uh, a man who showed us kindness. But um, surely one can't you know, hold us responsible for defending um, 
a, a poor old man. The Thrykeen shakes their head gently and goes, "'Tis not blood on your hands that's already there for which I speak. Blood that has not yet dropped upon your palms is the blood that we fear." Um, we, we do not, you know, we can't speak to this, this future potential violence you see, but, uh, I know myself and my companions and, um, we are not bad people. We came here with no intent on violence. And um, there are obviously situations that are out of our control. Um, you know, well, we, we're not shy. We will defend ourselves if attacked um, a, as any... Uh, rational person would the uh the thrykeen oh sorry god we god giles um uh we have no knowledge of these events so we really can't offer you any information or explanation of them the thrykeen nods and sits back down Kitty cat. Can you hear him? Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's fine. It's fine. He just wants to be part of the conversation with the Thrykeen. He's There's very grumpy. cats in the Thrykeen house. Ask your next question. Meow. <laughs> hmm. What are your guys' next question? I mean, I have one that's not important to any of them. We should, uh, we should ask something about the Florius. Florius family. You're right. So, when we came here and we were attacked by those bandits. I forced information out of their leader. We were told that they were given to them by one of the ruling families of this very city. And that had been some dire news when we told that to Mel. Is there any... Is there... Any truth to that? The far left Thrykeen step stands up and simply says, Yes. Wow, that was easy. Well, I was just getting a straightforward answer, waiting until I asked them about names and all those. <laughs> I 
Hmm. So it is true. If you are able, can you confirm the name of the family to me right now? The Thryking nods and says, Indeed, the Felorius family peddled those bandits. That lines up with the information that we got from the bandit leader. Hmm. Well. The Breaking sits back down. The middle one stands back up, extends its arms towards the party, and simply asks, to what form of your sin do you attribute your will to kill a god? And with that, that's where we'll end this week. Uh, can you say that again? Can you say the question again? I, oh, sure. The will to... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. To, I think the way I asked it was, to what of your sin do you owe... Basically, they, they were asking why... Like, what compelled you to kill a god? Gotcha. Okay. Not say great heroism. <laughs> Resist. So that's where we'll end it this week. Yeah, cool, cool. That's, that's the question. Um, yeah, that's mostly just so we can remember next time. There you go. I've been your host and Dungeon Master Kenny. We have nearly everyone with us tonight with our bard. Hey, this is Lauren uh, playing Vala. Thanks for tuning in. Our warlock. Hey, it's Necro. Catch you next week. Our fighter. Hey, everyone. This has been Nick Esnalos. Thanks for listening. Our druid. This is correct. Bye. And our barbarian. This is the great hero Pahokwi, and I'll see you next week. Farther away from the mic this time. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.